Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama black and white cast? Yeah, I think the other thing you could have said is a teen drama 1950s cast, but this entire thing's a 1950s cast. But this episode's very 1950s. But no, I would argue every episode was very 1950s. What we're talking about <laughs> is that this episode uh, decided to do this whole thing where they're like, this, this, I'm going to say this, this episode for it right now, it's like Jughead being like, ah, oh, well, we're about to enter our own, like, uh, classic B-movie. And so then everything turns black and white, and they kind of they kind of do those, you know, uh, archaic, like, splash screen of, like, this in Trouble in yeah. Town. Jughead Jones starring in Trouble Brewing. Yeah, things like that. Uh, but I would argue there is nothing in this episode that sets it as apart as more 1950s than the others that warrants it to be in black and white. Well, they also don't do any B-movie tropes no, at all. No, it kind of starts out with like it's kind of that. But the rest is just a your perfectly average episode of Riverdale. And I, I it's not even like... It being in black and white does some cool things. I honestly think they didn't make this decision until the edit. Because I don't feel like this was shot meant to be in black and white. Some of the scenes are way too dark. And at one point, someone will give someone something. And I will not know what it is because it's black and white. So I can't see the color of the object. (laughs) So I don't know if he gives him like gold or something. Well, I mean, that thing I think is supposed to be instantly recognizable to us. Yeah, so that's a wild choice on their part. <laughs> also, especially because I, this is just me being pedantic, I guess. By 1955, a lot of things were in color. Yeah, but not the B-movies. Not the B-movies, I guess, is the argument you could make, which is what he did to set this up. And then... You know what would have been better? If they had decided to do as like a classic nineteen, not this episode, but have if they wanted to do a black and white episode because they thought it would be cool, yeah, they should have done one that was like a classic black and white sitcom. Yeah, I mean the sitcom would, yeah, because during the oh, especially during this time, yeah. films like for the most part were in color, except for of course B B movies, but but TV was still predominantly in black and white. Not because they weren't transmitting black and white, just most people only had black and white TVs. Yeah, and you know we have a character who has like direct ties to the I Love Lucy. SB. Yeah, yeah, uh, but that's not what they did. That's not what they did. It's never what they did. <laughs> they did do something, though. They never pick the good idea. <laughs> it is it is honestly impressive how much they keep just, like, getting so close to the ball but whiffing every single time. <laughs> it's almost an art form. Uh, but this is not an art form. It's art in the, in the broadest sense of the term, though, because this is Riverdale Season 7, Episode 18. For a better tomorrow. For a better tomorrow. As we mentioned, Jughead is pretty happy that what comes with dating the owner of a uh, multiplex, not a multiplex, a singleplex, a singleplex of a movie theater is that he gets to see movies for free with all of his friends. Yeah. Veronica's not running a great business here. <laughs> um, I, 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 some of that might have been him just being like, can me and my friends see free movies? And she, in her head, she's like, oh, he doesn't have friends. <laughs> now, admittedly, his friends are Ethel, Dilton, and Ben. It's true. So, like, that's not 
terrible. Yeah, it's not a huge group. <laughs> yeah, he's not bringing in, like, everyone. And we'll fill out the seats, so. Uh, but, yeah, as he's, they're, they're leaving the movie theater, and he's thinking about how cool movies are, he says, we were about to enter our own B-movie. We're, we're about to enter the B-movie. <laughs> you know, the movie about bees. Yes. Someone is about to ha- fall in love with a bee. That is Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, but instead, uh, what happens is a melting man arrives. And we find out that Jughead Jones is starring in The Melting Man. Yeah, we are going to get these opening titles for each one like this was one of those three-part ep- episodes. It's not. I cannot stress enough that this is just a normal episode. Yes, there are <laughs> numerous storylines, all of which intersect. Yeah, I cannot stress this enough. Expe- expe- his and Cheryl's are, expe- are explicitly the same storyline. They are line. the same storyline. <laughs> so, uh, this man arrives... He's he like is lumbering melting. out. He um that's what the ends up will call him. Uh, he's eventually then shot by Keller, who claims that he is a vagrant. Who has leprosy. leprosy. Well, you don't have to shoot lepers, Sheriff Keller. <laughs> it is a disease that we do not understand, but we do know is very hard to transmit. Yeah, I I, I guess the idea is they're going for he was a he, you don't have to shoot lepers, but you do have to shoot vagrants. That's what, we, that's what we learned. He's a dangerous <laughs> vagrant with leprosy is the story they're going with. Uh, but but as was very obvious on him, but Jughead <laughs> need to, needed to hear someone oh, say it. So Ethel. Ethel says to our good friend Ben. Yeah. Um, oh, he's wearing the same uniform that my father wore when he worked at the Maple Factory. I'm be honest. I saw that by looking at. He's yeah. it, he has a logo on his on his uh, chest Lapel, that says yeah. "Blossom Maple Syrup." So, this begins an ongoing um, trend where our protagonists in this episode will not really like get like they'll they will they will do stuff eventually but a lot of the things they do they just don't do like things just happen to them and then they get involved somehow well jughead he will do one thing and the one thing he does is he bribes our good friend dr curdle jr yep. with comic books of course of course uh <laughs> God, I love Colonel Jr. <laughs> yeah, in this scene, there's a great <laughs> moment where he's like, well, it seems to me that this man was suffering from radiation poisoning. The Jugger goes, <gasps> nuclear atomic. And the look <laughs> that Colonel gives of like, the, wh- uh, why are, is that those, relevant? No, no, those are the same. Right? The, what, what you just said is the same thing. Like the, the look he gives is this. This is this, a child. This child. <laughs> but uh, Maybe I shouldn't have given this information to a child. Well, what's he going to do with it? Because Mayor Blossom has already whisked the body away. Ooh. Ooh. I was checking with another group where we learned that Betty. Betty's storyline this episode is that she's taking driver's ed. Yeah, it will become something else later. Very <laughs> much later. But it does begin that she's just learning to drive. Uh, doesn't want to do with her parents. What else is new? Classic Betty yeah. storyline. <laughs> Reggie is going to have a storyline going on in the backwards or <laughs> background where he's just going to like his life is just getting better and better and better. Because uh, we learn that he's going to go to uh, the best basketball ta- camp for high schoolers. 
And then Frank's like, where are you going to go, Archie? Go Bet to- they don't have camp for poems. You're going to go to poetry camp and do and- poetry stuff? I'm like, I bet, dude, every camp is poetry camp. Yeah, dude, that <laughs> fully exists. I don't know what to tell you. You can write poems at any camp. Um, and yeah, you know, he, he just throws out <laughs> some more toxic masculinity. And then Molly Ringwald answers, is like, Archie will be fine. He can get a job where he had a job before. He can either, yeah, he can work at the... He can work at Pops or he can work at the dress store. It's like, oh, a dress store. Doesn't that make you sad, boy? Don't you wish you stayed on the basketball team? And, like, literally everyone else in the scene just rolls their eyes at Frank. Um, This man has no power. I like that, uh, once again, we've reached the point where Molly Ringwald Andrews has woken up from her (laughs) sleepwalking. And is like, oh, no. Oh, right. I'm in charge of things. (laughs) I have, like, agency. (laughs) And I know you can make an argument that it's the 1950s. No, but, but she does have agency. She constantly shows it. The fact that she just like fades in and out of <laughs> where she positions herself is. Look, I'm sure that she has like a very interesting TV show of her own that she's on where she's like a single mom trying to run a dress shop. And maybe she's been having some problems with the, the suppliers. Yeah, she just has. Yeah, she just has Reba. So Jughead. uh no, actually, first we have to check in with Cheryl and Julian. So Cheryl and Julian are going to school, and they see Clifford saluting an army man. Yeah, he's met with a guy named General Taylor, who gave him a gift. And that's a statue of the pagan god Moloch. Moloch? Moloch. Moloch. And Moloch is a god that demands child, child sacrifices. Sacrifice. So if Cheryl and or Julian act out... He's going to murder them. I mean, I, I think I don't think it necessarily has to be like the, like physical form of sacrificing. He's obviously like, I don't care about you. If you get in my way, don't worry. Then I, I, you will be like, you know, shipped off or maybe killed or just you know any of those things. Um, I mean, guess Clifford does like to kill his children. This I, is known. I, yeah, I think yeah, it's sort of like him being like, this is my way of saying I don't care about you. Uh, I. Do not understand this statue, and I will continue not to understand this statue. Yeah, I don't know what the point of the statue is. No, and they'll... Oh, man, this episode is full of people saying things with the utmost confidence that are just wrong. And the only person who I feel like is aware of that is Colonel Jr. <laughs> when when Jughead says nuclear atomic and Colonel Jr. gives the look of, what are you talking about? But every, he's not there for everyone else. So everyone else just gets to say obviously wrong things and everyone just goes, yes. So meanwhile, Jughead goes to interview Ethel, and he's like, "Hey, I hate to ask you about your dead parents, but I'm going to ask you about your dead parents." How how's how's your dad feeling? Your dad, he was the janitor at uh at the, the maple factory. Yeah. You know his health. <laughs> did he have weird health things? Like, no, he didn't have weird health things. Mom did say he used to drink because his stomach hurt and his hair was falling out and his joints hurt and his joints hurt. He had <laughs> radiation poisoning. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't blame the the kids not for knowing radiation poisoning, but it was funny how clearly she described radiation poisoning. <laughs> right. At least Dilton who was Gets sitting it. in the next corner like the table over was cued in on like that she described <laughs> radiation poisoning. Oh, Dilton spends this entire episode like over listening conversations yeah. and being like, "Oh no." And then Jughead uh explains that like, "Oh, I mean, when you think about it, all the people worked there. There was the melting man who worked at uh, the uh, the maple factory. He died. And then, uh, obviously, Ethel's dad worked at the maple factory, and he died. And Rayberry did work at the maple factory for a time. We it did was known. know that. And then he died. 
Um, man, trying to tie Rayberry into this one will be done with the flimsiest of strings. <laughs> yeah. And I really do feel like they thought they did something there. Um, so I guess something's going on with the Maple Factory. I'm going to figure it out to get now, closure for people. Now, admittedly, yes, we did know that something was being set up with the Blossoms. I will argue now, and I will argue again later. It was so poorly set up. Yeah, I'm not convinced. Well, especially considering how there's there's further fallout from that that we haven't seen in this episode, even though it does like a roundup, hey, everything is now solved. But surely we're going to get more of that next time because it's not done. One would hope, but right. this is Riverdale. Anyway, um, Ethel does not want... Jughead to solve an important mystery because she wants to move on with her life. And oh. also she's dating Ben now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did see in the first thing that Ben kind of was like yeah. had his arm around I her. I saw so that I'm like, too. Oh, maybe they're a thing or maybe he's just like consoling her. I'm just curious when Ethel got over Jughead because the last time we saw her, she was still very into him. I mean, now she won Miss Teen River. She can, she can have any boy in town. But she wanted Jughead. Yeah, but she can have any boy in town. They, <laughs> they, they do some stuff to Ethel and for Ethel this episode where, like, it feels like they're giving her... Now she got her victory lap. I keep calling it a victory lap because that's supposed to be you <laughs> win and then you keep going. But I'm just going to keep calling it that. Yeah. Well, uh, it's also when you graduate grade 12 and then you come back and take grade 12 again. only in Ontario. <laughs> uh, but they, they kind of give her that sort of thing. But her entire thing this episode is, I don't want to engage... I'm not going to engage with anything that's going on. I'm going to move on. Look, which is I like, don't want to be on this show. Which is like, the idea of I'm going to move forward is great. But literally everything that happens is so intrinsically tied into her. But every single time it comes up, she just goes, no, I'm not going to engage with this. <laughs> and that's not fun yeah, to see not, as a character. It's not interesting <laughs> you could de- debatably she's one of the main characters of especially this episode and her entire thing is i am not going to do anything well and you know it could be just as interesting if she did help with this and then she was like you know what i feel like i'm done with riverdale <laughs> yeah, now I-, I got what i needed now i can go because when she says i'm done i actually i kind of was getting ideas of going along where she what she might be doing but not really uh now, hey, we do have to get some classic 1950s stuff going on because it's time for these kids to watch one of those, a, a classic duck and cover how to survive an atomic blast video. You know, the Cold War. Now, Archie will believe this video. Yeah. And Jughead will be like, no, let me explain to you all what actually happened when they dropped the bombs in Japan. Yeah. It was very bad. Yeah, getting under a table won't protect you because you're not really looking for like shattered glass now admittedly jughead you are right but the people who aren't at the epicenter are actually in danger of flying debris yeah like yeah if you're in the epicenter you're just vaporized you are correct but it's it appears that this um you know video did not talk about that sort of stuff like they kind of treated it like it was an earthquake, which is also bad. Don't get me wrong. An earthquake yeah. is bad. Uh, Atomic bomb. I mean, that, that, that's that's the, you know, that's how those videos um, kind of go. They sort of just gave basic, like, here's yeah. the things you can do because there's not much you can do. Now, everyone has a strategy of how they're going to survive this. Veronica's felt like a setup, and it wasn't. 
Yeah, I know. I was very disappointed. Yeah, because she says something that's very interesting. And I'm like, I, I got to know more. She says she's going to go to the sub, sub basement of um, the Pembroke, which is like an underground city. I want to know so much more. And like, Veronica, I need to meet the mole men. What are you talking about? <laughs> and that would be the plot of a B-movie. Um, Cheryl would go to the mines, which would... The abandoned mines. The abandoned mines, which would definitely collapse. Um, Reggie is going to go home go to, to Duck, Duck Creek, Creek and get into his well. There's a, there's a real... This is the most... Like I know they're they're like, we really want to set up Reggie as kind of like a hick. Um, this is the most like redneck hick thinking you ever said by being like, there's a really deep well there. I'm going to go to the really deep well. Archie, however, is just going to get in his hot rod and drive acro- across the country, across the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, he's going to drive out west. I mean, yeah, teenager stuff. Um, Clay is infuriated with everybody. <laughs> Clay's brain is melting out of his ears. He's like, guys, it's an atomic bomb. You can't get in your hot rod and outrace an atomic bomb. And I'm like... I mean, if it doesn't drop a town, he could. He probably is honestly faster than maybe the the like the radiation clouds. They're yeah. quite slow. So maybe you know but, if but, it drops in Greendale. But, I mean, that depends entirely on the wind. <laughs> um, Kevin, however, is Watched. a reference. It's a reference. To Indiana Jones. Yeah, he said he would. I, I heard somewhere that you could hide in a refrigerator. Get it? Uh, then I like how everybody points out the flaws in his. They're like. Well, but then you'll be in a fridge. And what do you do about food and water? I'm like, Veronica said she'd go to a basement. Cheryl said she'd go into a mine. And Reggie said he'd go into a well. Like, they all are dealing them? with those. Like, why are you focusing on his? Like, don't get me wrong. His is bad. Theirs are also pretty <laughs> bad. Except for potentially Veronica's. Because that might be the way into the underdark. I don't know. Uh, Betty will sum up the scene by being like, but geez, Louise, y'all, it couldn't happen here. Yeah. <laughs> we probably won't be attacked. Because no, we could be attacked anywhere. And I'm like, I think in his head he's thinking that like, yeah, because the Blossoms are definitely up to something. <laughs> maybe. Um, maybe. Dilton will watch all of this with a look in his eyes. Oh, yeah. Well, Clay at one point says, you need a bunker. And um, Dilton, the look on Dilton's face tells me that this man knows a sex bunker. <laughs> he's got a bunker. He's like, There's a bunker where my parents have sex. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Archie, <laughs> I, I, want to, I want to clarify. Uh, I don't usually like delve into the way I wrote notes, but I do want to clarify that I'm just going to say the way I wrote this down, which is Archie helps Kevin and Clay tie the knot. (laughs) 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 He doesn't marry them, but that is what he does. They're trying to figure out how to tie a knot. And he's like, hey, guys, give me a hand there. Like like he teaches it like you teach a child to tie their shoes. Yeah, because he's a man who remembers how to tie a knot from Adventure Scouts. He loved Adventure Scouts. So Clay, okay, this is the most ham-fisted storyline. Yeah. Clay and Kevin are thinking of joining the Merchant Marines. So here's why I think that works. Um. I think Clay's thinking of joining the Merchant Marines because, as he said, a lot of poets were on the Merchant Marines. Like, mm-hmm. it. I think he's joining it for the reason that Archie will try to join it, and I think Kevin doesn't have a storyline. Went along with his boyfriend because that's what you do when you're a teen. Though usually it's we're going to go to college together, <laughs> not I will join you as a civilian sailor on ships that are putting. They're like 
send in supplies across the sea. Now, Archie will become very interested in this because yeah. Clay will tell him about be poets, but also Archie does like tying I knots. Do like, I, he does like tying knots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the best line. Yeah. Uh, we do quickly check into the ladies' driving class, which is taught by Miss Grundy, because you only have so many teachers on payroll. And I'm not talking about Riverdale High. I'm talking about Riverdale the show. Yep. They got rid of all of the other women, so. Yep. yep. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to learn to drive. They're, cool. Next time, they're going to get into a car to practice parallel parking. I honestly almost care about this because it is just like, uh, it is it is one of those things where it's like, hey, yeah, this is a teen's, like, movement into freedom. Well, and the scene is very cool. They yeah. all have, like, these little, like, models yeah. of a car on their desk yeah. so they can practice with actually driving the car. Yeah. And Grundy does talk about how, you know, men think of driving as a right, but women understand this is a privilege and a freedom. Yeah, because it's the only way you can discuss things in this show. Now, after this, Molly Ringwald Andrews, a woman who values freedom and privilege, yeah. uh, will realize that she has been letting Frank doing too much parenting. <laughs> Yeah, um, because as the family eats, Archie's like, well, I'm going to join the Marines, and uh, the Merchant Marines. It's very clear. He's joining the Merchant Marines. I can't just say Marines because yeah. that is a different thing. Um, and Frank's like, oh, that's cool. Yes, ship stuff, men stuff. Only men do men stuff on the sea. And Molly's <laughs> like, yeah, you should do what you want, but you have to graduate high school <laughs> and you should probably go to college. Yeah, she, she, yeah, well, I mean, the way she says, I hope you'll go to college. Yeah, it's she, so mom. She's, yeah, she's not as pushy as i think you're saying it off to me he, but archie oh, does no, I, I wasn't trying to say she was pushy yeah. i was trying to say that she um is very clear and specific about what her hopes and visions yeah for archie are yeah and uh, yeah which is essentially go to college <laughs> which is very different than frank yeah uh well, f- well frank specifically thinks that if he if archie joins the merchant marines he'll stop not being a man <laughs> yeah it'll make him a man but then archie's like no actually a, a lot of guys who are in the merchant like a lot of poets actually do go to the Merchant Marines. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't win. Poetry's everywhere. Uh, oh, man. I need to find... It just it kind of reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons where um, Homer is trying to bring, like, Bart to all, like, these men places because he's worried <laughs> Bart might be gay. And he keeps bringing him to, like, gay clubs and oh, things yes. like that. It just reminds... Or the, the gay steel mill just reminds me of that. Uh so we do have to check in cookie with Dilton, who has visited Jughead in his train car. So Dilton has been watching Jughead. Because because Jughead is Dilton's best friend. Jughead is Dilton's best friend. It's, he's his comic buddy. Yep. And Dilton can tell that Jughead's really stressed out, so he Dude, just wants him to know. I, 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 before we go on, I want to clarify. I, I I honestly would be more willing to believe that these two are best friends yes. than Jughead and Archie, because we see them in scenes... Just hanging out. Yeah, doing. They have interests like, in common. Like, to be fair, and they, they do things together. And they aren't. Con- we we don't need to have them constantly hanging out. It's not all the single time. Like, it's not every single time we see them, they're hanging out with each other. But it's enough that I'm like, yeah, these two are friends, and yeah. Archie and Jughead never interact unless it's a large group scene. <laughs> yeah. Or that one time that everyone kept coming to Jughead for advice. Yeah. So Dilton uh, has to show Jughead something. So it's time for the sex bunker. But it's not as creepy and weird. No. It still kind of is because, you know, it's a bunker that someone made under town. Now, Jughead's like, why did your dad build a bunker? Does he know something? <laughs> and Dilton kind of like, you know, equivocates around it for a little bit. And then he's like, yeah, OK, so here's the deal. This one time Mr. Muggs brought my dad a lump of. OK, you no, know, he says he brought my dad this and pulls out a rock and it's in black and white. So I'm like, I don't know what that is. 
But if we watch Riverdale, and if we had been thinking about how this show works, no, because we I should ref- have guessed, but I forgot about it. Well, yeah, because I don't care, too. It makes no sense. Uh, but yes, what apparently what Mr. Muggs found was just a chunk of palladium. Because they've been mining it, and Clifford's got some everywhere. Yeah, he's work. He's sitting on it. He's working with it. He's, he's not sitting on it. Maybe he's actually sitting on <laughs> Could it. Could be sitting on it. And he's sitting on a load of it. He's working with it. And then Dilton says the worst thing I've ever heard, and it ruined me. Aaron, I you, you got to say it. Why? Why does? Why does he want to do with the Palladium? What's Dilton's dad so worried about? They're going to use the Palladium to make bombs. Yeah. So apparently, P-bomb. apparently, as Dilton says, uh, Palladium, uh, when. In this form, it's pretty it's pretty stable, but apparently in its pure form, pure palladium, it, some scientists say it could be more volatile than plutonium. Plutonium. It could be a palladium bomb, stronger than a hydrogen bomb. I'm like, Do the no. writers of Riverdale know that palladium is a real thing that has, like, real qualities? Yeah, I'm like, no. But, well, okay, first of all, plutonium actually isn't volatile. Like, it's... They, it, they're just thinking of it like a bomb. They're like, oh, well, clearly... A bomb is just more and more volatile. I'm like, no, no, plutonium specifically is the reason they use it is because it's actually very stable when they hit it with another atom and crack it in half. Like, you, you could have just said weird science nonsense. Like, they found a way to potentially take, take palladium and, and, cre- and create an alloy using blah, 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 and make say nonsense. But they said just, an, or say nothing at all, but they said just enough science nonsense for me to be like, you said something too real. Palladium is actually made by like fission. Like the the thing that makes that actually makes nuclear radiate like the thing the thing that ha- that makes a bomb that makes a bomb the fission the the cracking that makes a bomb that also makes nuclear power could actually make palladium. Palladium's made by that. What this has taught me, Aaron, and I think maybe this we just have to accept <laughs> this. Um, this Riverdale 1950s. Uh huh. It's got different physics. Tabitha Tate. Made different physics. Well, Tab- Tabitha Tate doesn't know physics. She doesn't know physics. She's a businesswoman. She does not know physics. And she decided, I'm going to get in there and do some stuff. <laughs> She's like, palladium. I know palladium is a thing about Riverdale. Maybe she, so maybe I should just include it. What if she literally confused palladium and plutonium? But, <laughs> the, but obviously the people still had free will. So they knew what plutonium was. But she gave it the qualities of palladium. Or sorry, they gave palladium the qualities of plutonium. So they're just like. It's just wild that the writers of the show picked the element that makes catalytic converters. Like I, like, and before someone comes at me, like I know that palladium is can also be used for fuel cells, but the thing that's explosive in a fuel cell is the hydrogen. Palladium's not. I unless if man, I, I swear if somehow I learn like a scientist comes up and like, actually palladium can, I would lose my mind because no, there's no, it's not. <laughs> Well, it is because Jughead, I'm not a scientist. Jughead remembers that he read a story about palladium. Yes, about a small Brad town Bearberry. destroyed oh. by a palladium bomb. A comic of it. And so he goes and reads it. 
It's by Brad Rayberry. And then I thought Jughead was having a dream about the big explosion oh, coming. Yeah, so it's clearly a uh, dream sequence because immediately, immediately smash cuts to Dilton's dad, like losing his mind, being like, it's the time, the siren's going off. Ah, then it's like going around, everyone's screaming, then suddenly Cheryl's there. It goes on for too long. It goes on for just too long. And it ends with Jughead refusing to duck and cover yeah. and walking to the window and watching. The the bomb the bomb go off in the distance like you see it reflected in the uh, in the window and then Cheryl wakes up because it was Cheryl's dream <laughs> she, so she dreamed from Jughead's perspective that's, yeah I mean it's a dream that's uh, distinctly possible but, but she it, and she wakes up and she goes ah oh, stupid Jughead Jones and is talking about bombs yeah so I I well we bug that I uh, actually don't mind. Because that's confusing. It is confusing. And that's kind of maybe what they wanted to do. I think it's just too long. I think yeah. like, people scream for just a bit too long. And people have like are talking to each other during it. It's, it's just not working. But it is a setup because... Cheryl's got to go wander through her house, get her dream creepies off. Yeah. And what she overhears, I guess... Is her parents talking in Russian. Yeah. And it is immediately... Apparent yeah. from the subtitles. Oh yeah, it's translated for us. So, which for me that just bugs me because like, wouldn't just, it be better to keep us in the dark? Yeah, none of the information I would argue they say we needed. The, you get they're speaking in Russian. Yeah, and you um and uh, Penelope will say, "I feel sorry." Oh, I kind of feel sorry for that man who escaped from the infirmary. I honestly didn't need him to, to know he escaped from the infirmary. You just can mention that later. Well, and actually knowing that he escaped from the infirmary is somehow even worse because <laughs> he's wearing his uniform still. Why wouldn't they put him in pajamas? I mean, I assume it wasn't a nice infirmary. <laughs> it is run by the Blossoms. Yeah. But, yeah, it appears as though um, they are allied with the Russians. They're not, not only are they allied with the Russians, they're literally drinking vodka. I mean, hey. It's they, obvious. They are red, you know. I guess, huh? Uh, but yeah, something about Project Moloch is going well. And we re- do re- we do reveal that only Penelope actually is like from Russia. Yes. I guess she turned um, Clifford because Clifford's like, you remember, I was promised an appointment in your government. So, so. Uh, later they call Penelope a sleeper agent, which makes me wonder when she, she was tr- put there. Triggered? Like, was it before, or after the kids? <laughs> <laughs> I would <laughs> I don't know I don't know uh, but yeah so we move on from that um, there's a short scene where Archie attends an information session for the merchant marines yeah. and he is sad to discover that he won't get to just explore foreign shores he's also going to have to work yeah yeah I guess he got to fill time somehow uh, but more importantly Jughead decides now to ask Cheryl about her house in the mines and Going on with the with the thing, he is doing stuff. I'm not going to say he did nothing, but Cheryl just happened to overhear that because she woke up. If she did not overhear that, she would not buy in. Yeah, but he's like, "Hey, uh, anything weird about your house and the mines?" And like, I just I think like the milkman and the melting man and the palladium mines, like all somehow involved. And then Cheryl even says, "Like, look, I'm not the number one fan of my parents. In fact, I'm sure they'd be glad to ship me off anywhere at any time." However, so they, yes, I will go. However, they were speaking in Russian last last <laughs> like, night. It's a build up. T- the scenes. <laughs> I feel like the scenes changed order. It 
I mean, it'd be better if they were in a different order. Like, like really what it needs to be is that Cheryl needs to say, he needs to go up to her and Cheryl's like, no, like, don't get me wrong. He's terrible, but not that. My parents uh, are terrible, but they're not Russians. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't even insinuating they're Russians. He just right. said, I think they're involved with this big old conspiracy thing that's going on. And then she would learn and then she'd come back to him. But instead he's just like, hey, will you spy for me? She's like, I, I'll totally, I love spying. I love spying. It's I my favorite. Spying. I'm going to get some candles. I'm going to walk around. <laughs> you want a flashlight? No, nah, it's the 1950s. I think flashlights are giant this, <laughs> this time. I don't know. Uh, we we check in on Ethel, where it turns out she's uh, the really good at parallel parking. However, she does like a small gasp from the audience. <laughs> I love the peanut gallery watching her <laughs> no, parallel park. It's and they so go, dramatic. <gasps> but hey, apparently every every single person did Excellent in both all the, the written all and... The, yes, all the girls. They passed the tests. Yeah. As Kevin was going to say, both the written and the practical. Yeah. So they get to go straight to the DMV. Yeah, we're going to field to the DMV so I, you can do your the next step. However, however. However, you need to bring your birth certificate because the DMV wants to make sure that you're not Russian spies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which actually is true. Um, but they... It, Pushes in on Ethel, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Ethel's is probably, like, missing or something. Or, like, I don't think maybe the sisters have it. Yeah. Uh, but no, no. I mean, that is true. That is what she's worried about. But uh, we'll have to check up with that later. Because right now, Archie, working out in the middle of the night. Because that's the only time you can work out. Classic Archie moment. Classic. He's rowing in the garage. Yep. And Frank uh, interrupts to talk man to man and to... um. For a guy who's like, no, like very much like classic masculinity. No emotions ever. It's so funny that he decides in this scene, I am going to pull on his emotions. He, I mean, he does kind of do duty, I guess you could argue that he does lean towards that. But it feels so underhanded for a guy who's supposed to be like, men don't have emotions. (laughs) Because what he does is he gives Archie the dog tags. You know, from when Luke Perry Andrews enlisted in the army yes he wasn't uh Apparently, drafted yes he wasn't drafted he volunteered uh you know to try to be like hey archie that's what your dad did and we know your only storyline <laughs> is to make your dad proud and to do everything your dad did and then frank really oversteps and he's like you don't even have to graduate high school to be in the army yeah he's, he's trying to knock the poetry out of him <laughs> Uh, so Cheryl goes snoopy snooping by candlelight. Yeah. And she goes, oh, a draft. Well, no. No, we can't skip over what she finds because nothing in this sequence makes sense. She walks in, she opens up the door, and she finds a dusty mining helmet. I guess to insinuate her father has gone into the mines. Recently. Why is that in the in desk? desk? Why is it not at the mines? Why did he bring that home with him? You know, sometimes you get really excited because you see things in your minds and you just you dance on home. And then you the, get home and you realize, oh, no, I still have my helmet on. All these clues are so aggressively planted. My only assumption is, once again, Tabitha planted them to, like, make this story happen. She's up there trying to figure th- how to, like, oh, oh, shoot, oh, shoot, I made a mistake and now they're making a bomb. Uh, uh. <laughs> It's because she finds a dusty, ma- dusty money helmet. She notices a breeze. She opens up a secret door, and it's just milkman costumes. So many milkman costumes and milk bottles. 
and the, the the sound is supposed I think supposed to be like ooh and now it all makes sense and I'm like no it's it's spooky but I don't <laughs> it does get it not make sense I don't get it if he even if he hired the milkman why does he have a room full of milkman costumes because there's, only, there's one only one milkman you're telling me that the that the milkman guy didn't do that himself that was a, a part of the job he was hired was that he gave did or did it was there a bunch of different milkmen and just the idea is that any time he sent out a killer he would send them out in a milkman costume but i thought we saw the milkman more than once and he always looked the same I but now I don't remember. I think we only may I mean maybe we only saw that second milkman, the one who de- like we definitely saw after Rayberry, we definitely saw some. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. We- Someone rang the doorbell and we saw No, I was thinking when um Betty and uh Archie Oh, Archie were making out at Ethel's house. That was house. before Rayberry died, but it was the same milkman. Could have been he hired him at that point. At that point he was just being a weirdo. It doesn't explain things. Yeah, why was the milkman wandering around <laughs> Checking on teenagers who were making out in a house. Yeah. Who was he trying to kill? I thought that was his killer uniform. You have the uniforms. Why do... Is that... Re- and that can't be related to the thing that Clifford Blossom was trying to keep secret. Well, we'll have to learn more about that. But first of all, Archie has put on his dad's dog tags, which it's good because then Molly Ringwald and just can see them. And she's like, excuse me, WTF, where did you get those from? I like how she... I like it's like... Well, Frank gave them to me. He's like, why would he do that? I'm like, why? Honestly, honestly, why wouldn't he? And also, why did he have them? Not the widow. Like, No, I think he stole them from her. <laughs> That's why she's like, what? I mean, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. It's, it's unfair he was ever brought up. Frank's past is a brick wall. It's unknowable. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's like, yeah, well... I think now is a good time to talk to you. We will not see this scene. Because I can imagine she shuts him down immediately. <laughs> so fast. Yeah, I imagine it happens so fast. Um, we do learn, however, what Ethel, uh, why Ethel was so worried. And yeah, she doesn't have her birth certificates. She's pretty sure they're at her house. And she really doesn't want to go back there. Because remember, she's trying to put everything behind her. Now, I blame um, all of the adults. In this situation. Yeah. Every single adult in Riverdale is at fault for the fact that they don't have her birth certificate. Yeah, when the, when she was sent to essentially a foster church home, they didn't get her birth certificate? Alice. Is that is that just a 50s thing where, like, um, <laughs> where who cares about paper trails? That explains why it's so easy to be a Russian spy. I mean, there are some people where we don't know how old they are. That is true. There's a lot of, like, 1950s movie stars where we don't actually know when they were born. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. As you go get back. I mean, birth certificates are not a naturally forming thing. <laughs> they don't come out with the baby. We have to make them. So. And we just didn't care about yeah. them until Betty's going to go and get Ethel's from her house. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, she pretty much does. We do get a quick scene where Cheryl just sort of lets Jughead know about the milk bottles and uniforms. And once again, Jughead acts like he now understands everything. The milkman must have been working for your father. And as we've already explained. That makes no sense. There are so many more. I mean, no, I, here's the thing. I think that does probably clarify the milkman does work for him. But there are so many more questions. I also have a question. Because Cheryl says that after she found the uniform. She went to the mine. Yeah. And the mine is still active. And they are mining palladium. Yeah. And I would love to know how she confirmed what they were mining. 
it. <laughs> I mean, like, I, did she see it? And she was like, oh, that's what Palladium looks like. Everyone knows what Palladium looks like, except for Jughead in that one moment. Uh, I mean, it's also potential she saw it was open and just was like, Jughead said they were mining, mining Palladium. I see they are mining. It's probably Palladium. And just did not want to check any further because that's Cheryl. <laughs> that is Cheryl. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but she's like, meet me back at Thornhill tonight and we'll do some spying stuff. Now, something that is very cool, I think, that will never be explored is when Betty goes to Ethel's house, yeah. someone has clearly been crashing there. <laughs> there have been some vagrants living in that house. I And, and that's, actually, that's almost a fun amount of, like, uh, like set pieces. I, I, don't, I actually don't think anyone's been crashing there. I don't think it's vagrants. I think it's exactly what she did. People have been going in there on, like, teens on dares. Oh, but there were, like, extra mattresses on the floor and stuff and, like, paintings, Ooh, stuff I mean, painted yeah. on the walls. Yeah. Ooh, but, I mean... Teens okay, still the teens. The, the mattresses, though, yeah, I think that that probably shows someone was sleeping there. Or it was one of those, you stay the night. That's true. Uh, or but they didn't or, want to or, sleep in the bedrooms. Keep in mind, Betty wanted to go in there to presumably have sex with Archie. So That's other true. teens, I assume, would achieve that. Sex mattresses. But, uh, yeah, she finds a box of documents in uh, the place where Ethel said they might be. And she pops them open. But it's not a birth certificate. It's just numerous pieces of paper that say that they got a $25 check from Hal Cooper. Yeah, it's essentially receipts for checks. Someone has been, like, keeping some meticulous records. I, yeah, I mean, I guess that's important to them. And then at the the back, she finds a photo of Hal holding a baby. Looking exactly the same age as he does now. (laughs) Yeah, there's always so much you can do. Um... And I was like, oh, because at this point I figured out what was going yeah, on. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, it was I, obvious. I, th- I think maybe everyone else has as well at this point. Um, so I'm like, wait, so in this world, Ethel is the half sister. Ethel is chick. Yes, Charles. Char- I mean. Except way, 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 way younger. Yeah. In fact, the same age as yes. Betty. I mean, the, the 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 timing works. It's just that why did Tabitha do that? Great question. I, I and, can, and Tabitha knows about Charles. I, I cannot stress enough to the writers of this show. You set up that Tabitha did this and sent them all back here. The fact that people's genetics are different. I'm losing my. Why did you do this? <laughs> Not, not, River. not Tabitha, like writers. You know what? Yeah, everyone. Tabitha <laughs> and writer. Tabitha, why did you make Tabitha do this? Why, <laughs> why, what was this decision that you're like, oh, wouldn't that be crazy? That was it. They're just like, wouldn't this be fun? And I'm like, some, why did she decide to do, why did the angel make them related now? Or were they related in the other world as well? Oh, and in this world, I can guarantee you, I don't think that Betty is related to Cheryl. <laughs> yeah. She just changed everyone's heritages and genetics. <laughs> Why? You <laughs> Okay. So we have to head to a scene to once again show how Molly Ringwald Andrews has woken up from her sleepwalking. <laughs> Those dog tags really brought her back. So they're having dinner and Molly Ringwald Andrews is like Hey Frank. How, why did you choose to emotionally manipulate my son into joining the army against my express wishes? Yeah, especially considering how you never served. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, what, what was yeah. Frank doing? <laughs> why? Like, like, why did he pick? Well, I, I thought maybe you'll come up, like, there is so much here that there could be. And you know what? It honestly could come up next episode. But I'm, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing, oh, 
Frank didn't sign up. He did not sign up to go to war. And now he's his always bro- regretted that. His brother did. His brother died. And he has a whole bunch of toxic masculinity stuff in him that allows him not to cope with that. So this way he's trying to cope with it by being like, I'll make his son the manliest man ever. And that is how I will make it up to my brother. But we don't but, know anything about Frank. <laughs> yeah, because so in this thing, he's just like, well, I'm trying to save him from the uh, poetry. St- he, he, he's on the road to ruin. I'm trying to make him a man. Like you can, in a better show, I would argue that he is very, very well written. But because yeah. I have seen the writing of Riverdale, <laughs> I don't think he is. And I think they just don't want to delve any deeper into him. Because what they have, what they do is they have Molly Ringwald Andrews shut him down. She's like, he is 16, he is 17, sir. Yeah. Calm down. And, and like, it's very clear, I think, by the way that the actor's playing it, and I might just give this credit to the actor, that it feels like he's projecting on Archie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, but uh, Molly Ringwald is like, I think it's time for you to leave, because I don't remember why you're here. <laughs> I don't know why you live in my house, I don't know why. but you probably shouldn't. And, and what's insane is I thought Frank would be like, fine, I will no, go home. I will go home to where I came from and presumably have a life. And so he's like, well, I guess I'll have to go live with my old buddy, Tom Keller, no, Aaron, who was also kicked out of his home. No, Aaron, he does not say live. So oh, he for, says stay with. No, he does not does say that. What does he say? I will tell you, but I will preface it with for a show that has done so much research into the language that people use. He uses the term shack up. Does he really say that? He says, I will shack up with my old friend, Tom Keller. Which is, ex- which is which at that time was a word that meant have a sexual like have sex with live with someone in a sexual sense. Look, if Frank is in love with Tom Keller, that explains a lot of I mean, things. Yeah, I, I'm honest. Honestly, I would like that less because I feel like this. Sh- it makes almost makes sense that the show would, of course, do a, oh, actually, anybody who's homophobic secretly gay themselves. And I hate that storyline. Yeah, it's, it's not a great terrible show. way of crossing off anybody who has, like, hate in their heart is like, oh, actually, they're self-hating. Because guess what? Some people aren't. Well, guess um, what, Kevin, though? This show loves to make people who have hate in their hearts self-hating. Yeah. That will come up later this episode. Yes, it will. Uh, but, yeah. So I guess he's going to go shack up with Tom <laughs> Keller, and I guess we'll figure out what it means when two bachelors, Look, who, who are both really scared of their kids being gay, I don't know. There's It honestly might go that way. Look, Frank is in near tears when he gets kicked out of this house that is not his. I'm Yeah, I, I think... I think the actor's doing a very good job of adding things that are, do not <laughs> exist in the script for this character. Uh, but we do have to head on to someone else. Another confrontation. Yeah. Betty immediately goes home from Ethel's house to confront both of her parents. Good for her. About what is this nonsense? Yes. Yeah, like, hey, why are you writing them checks for like two, two years? No. No, no, no. 16 years. Why, why did you say two oh, years? Oh, so, okay, so what happens is, yeah. um, she's like, you've been writing them checks for 16 years, and her dad's like, oh, well, I don't know. She was once our housekeeper, so it's for that, her salary. Yeah. And he, and then Betty says, there are checks from two years ago. Oh, there it is. The, the, yeah, the... And he's like, well, I don't know. And she's like, also, she was definitely not her housekeep- our housekeeper in my living memory. <laughs> I would have remembered So what that. do you... Th- 
And Hal's like, uh, I, when, why do you have this picture of you holding a baby? Well, it's Ethel. Why are you holding Ethel? Because I'm the godfather. Really? You're the godfather, Dad? Why would you be the godfather? Why don't I know about this? I honestly think if he started with that, that you, he could have maybe swung it. It's hard because it, why would it not come up when they adopted her? But he could just been like, well, you don't have to know everything about me. Man <laughs> of the house. But no, he's uh, flailing. So I guess it's time for Alice to come in. And Alice is essentially like, Hal, go for a walk. I'll uh, fix it. It's time for the truth. So I guess the truth is that Hal, I mean, Miss Monks was their caretaker. Yeah. Hal uh, had an affair with her um, and she got pregnant and gave birth to Ethel. And they were worried about the consequences for the station. And, and like their really relationship. for their reputation, let's yeah, be real. Reputation. Uh, so they agreed to financially support the child until, the, until she was 16, which she is now. Which was no. So she's 18? She's 18. She's older. Than, this is a Riverdale thing. She's older than the rest of the characters. Did we know that before? No. Okay. I guess they just didn't want her to drop out of school. Yes. Except for she did. Yes. <laughs> like, this is like. She's still not done. This is like December. It might be January. Have we had Valentine's Day yet? No. Who cares if they're going to show Valentine's well, Day? Well, no. That would just give us a sense of time. I, uh, there's no sense of time. Nothing matters. So they agreed to financially support the child until 16. Um, and then. Betty explains to us that she now understands why her mother was a horrible I, human I, being. I understand. Treated her poorly. I understand. You were you were afraid. You were afraid that like I would be like this. Is what what would happen to you? What happened to me? All these things, and it totally explains everything. Hey, Aaron. Yeah. Does this explain anything? No. No. Because no. Guess, guess what? Alice had someone cheat on her and get someone else pregnant, How? which has nothing to do with Betty's actions. Yeah. yeah Betty being like, oh, that's why you wanted um, Kevin to pin me and not. Archie, I assume because he's gay. Guess what? The gay birds are probably more likely to cheat on her. Guess wouldn't get someone pregnant, but um, like that's why you did that, and that's why she says that's why you did everything. I'm thinking back to all the things she did. I'm like, no, none of that makes sense. And even if that was the reason why, guess what? I'm sorry, your husband cheated on you and had a child with your housekeeper. That doesn't mean you get to abuse your daughter. Like, what are you talking about? It would be more. Forgivable, not forgivable, but more forgivable if this was the Charles storyline <laughs> where Alice gets pregnant out of wedlock and, and as a teenager. Yeah, and how tries to have her have an abortion. Yep. Yeah. Or give the child away. No, abortion. What was the give the child away thing? That's what she did. Right. No, no, he tried to have an abortion, then she then he had her give the child away. Yes. And she just and we got those in two different segments. Yes. That's what it was. Because uh, she seduced him while pregnant, so she would have a better partner. I don't know. We had that thing where it felt like it was very clearly setting up towards abortion, but then went with um, adoption, but then the abortion thing came up later. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. What? What? No, why did Tabitha do this? <laughs> That's gonna be my question now from now on. Why did Tabitha do this? Why? Why was this? I don't know why anyone would do this. <laughs> well. Like, it's the same storyline, but worse. And we didn't like it the first time we did it. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I cannot stress enough to the writers of this show. Just because someone is sad doesn't mean they get to abuse someone for their entire life. Betty went through a lot. And Alice is a bad She's mother. She's a terrible mother. I don't... I. 
I don't care that her husband cheated on her and had a child with her housekeeper. If they want, if they want to do more, they should have had him be like, you know what? More abusive to her. Yeah. But they don't want to do that. And Hal's not abusive. In the other Hal, line, she was a he was a serial killer. Yeah. And like, the, <laughs> this Hal, I don't think is abusive of Alice at all. I think he's a dope. Yeah. I yeah. I think I think that's the thing. I think he is just a dope. And your husband being a dope doesn't mean you get to abuse your daughter because you're afraid what will happen. You're afraid she'll marry a dope, so she doesn't. So she has to be. <laughs> She did not know what sex was. She didn't know what love was. She didn't know what feelings were. You, you're you a bad mom. And you don't get to hug it out, but they do. They every hug it time, out. Every time. Every time. And now, and the next time we see her, she now gets to be benevolent angel Alice. So what? they decide that they need to tell Ethel. But before they can tell Ethel, Cheryl and Jughead have to uh, sneak into the mine so they can photograph it. Oh, sneak into the mine. I mean, it's not that hard. That soldier is an, it's an NPC. Because he... Because Jughead takes a picture with a flash. And, and they the guy, hide. They don't even have the guy be like, what was that? He just, <laughs> he gets flashed in the face by a camera and just like, I'm going to go pee. <laughs> and by the way, he's a full-on soldier. This place is oh, guarded yeah. by a soldier. Well, yeah, because, you know, not Hiram. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. That Clifford has contacts in the military. Yeah, I was just going to say that, that that kind of makes it very obvious. Like, there's an outpost outside this mine. The fact that they thought it was abandoned. Not Cheryl. Anyone in town thought it was abandoned. It's insane. insane. There's a checkpoint. <laughs> so, um, Ethel is given the news yeah. of her parenthood. Yeah. And she goes, oh, that's why my parents were always so sad and fought all the time. And it was my fault that they were upset. <laughs> And Alice is like, no, honey, it wasn't your fault. I mean, it wasn't her fault. It wasn't her fault. But her existence is why they were like that. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, then I was like, and we decided that we're going to do the right thing and we're going to adopt you. And I like to think in the background of the, in Ethel's mind, she was like, oh, God, no, not you. Not you. I don't, I don't care. You're, ter- you're a terrible mom. I, I, had, I had a fine mom. Who turned and you are a bad mom. I saw what you do to Betty. Yeah. Also, so, Ethel is 18. Yeah, as we have just learned. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, nah, you don't have to adult adopt me. I'm going to move on for a better future. That's where I was like, oh, she's literally going to leave Riverdale. Yep. <laughs> but once again, I don't think it's the end of the school year. So I think she's dropping out at the finish line. So before we get Ethel's goodbyes, we're going to get Frank's. Yeah. He says I, goodbye to Reggie, and then Reggie's like, see you at school tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I I, I almost actually appreciate, and it's insane to me that they decide to do the super um, dramatic, but he does move out, and he is rather cordial for them. They're mostly just like, hey, yeah. you don't need to be here. We are not your responsibility anymore, but you are still your family. We are still your yeah. family. Molly Ringwald essentially says that she is the man of her household. Yeah. She pays her mortgage and looks after her house. Yeah. And he's welcome to come back for Sunday dinner yeah. anytime. Yeah. And he, like, seems quite cordial about that. So, like, they kind of address the toxic masculinity thing. I think they took a real shortcut here. Like, his ending feels like he's like, hey, everyone still likes me. Maybe I should be a better person. Well, especially when Archie's like, hey, just so you <laughs> oh, know, yeah. poetry can be manly. Some of the best poems I ever read were written by soldiers in the trenches. And maybe one day I'll be a soldier in the trenches. Covered oh. in my fr- in my friend's bloods. Hope Maybe not, though. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? And this look is like, yeah, you're right. I'm a different person now. <laughs> Poetry can be manly. <laughs> hey, yeah. 
Anyway, <laughs> then he leaves. <laughs> um, we now check in with uh, Jughead and Cheryl, who have already gone the pictures, because they're not going to do that entire set. No. We got to have to do a quick check-in where it was just like, so you and Veronica are like, are you guys like an item? And man, Jughead is such good teen, because him being like, <laughs> I don't know, feels like, that feels like teen thing, where you're like you, you could, like, you could make out with someone all night, and then tomorrow you'd be like, I don't think they like me very much. I don't know if we're dating. I don't know what's happening here. I'm like, yeah, teenagers. <laughs> Everything's weird, isn't it? It's a really good moment. Yeah. But they got to move on past that. Should they give the photo to Sheriff Keller? No, oh. he could be in on it. Yeah. Uh, what they'll do is they'll use Veronica's contacts with the FBI. <laughs> who are the people? <laughs> They're the people who the arrested F- her dad. The people of the FBI are the ones who tried to arrest her dad. That's true. Um, but apparently she still has his letter and... They're going to send to them, which, you know what? That's better. It's better to send it to the FBI than a local sheriff. Oh, yeah. If you have a contact with the FBI. so Because, Kevin, what do they have in their photographs? Oh, yes. They have a photo of Jughead with a bomb. Ooh. Which goes right. And, and they do it. And I thought, like, oh, we're going to get a bit more. Maybe next episode. Maybe no, no, no. They did it off screen. And then Cheryl opens the door and the FBI come in, led by, of course. Glenn. The only FBI agent we know, other than Charles, because he's a serial killer, <laughs> who arrests both of them. We do learn that Penelope just has is a Russian name. It's like Penelope. Yeah, yeah she's Penelope. a different Penelope. Yeah. Um, Cheryl gets her classic, you did a bad thing, daddy. Remember from the first epi- the first season? Yep, that's what she said at the end of the first <laughs> season. The first season is because she he killed his son in this one. It's because he tried to give the Russians an experiment. Bomb. Well, and it th- is funny to think about those things. Here's the thing. He's been working on the P-bomb. You've heard of the A-bomb. You've heard of the H-bomb. Now there's the P-bomb. Yeah. And the U.S. government thought he was developing it for them. But no, he was going to sell it to the Russians because he had been radicalized by a Russian sleeper agent. Who said he would get, I guess... He, he would get more power in Russia. That's what he said. He said, you'd get me a, a position in your administration. So yeah. I guess he assumed he would be like a higher person in Russia. You know what? You know what? You know what the thing about Stalin is? He definitely doesn't kill high ups in Russia. Never. Yes, never. So while this voiceover happens and all of this stuff is going on, Cheryl burns Moloch. Yeah. Okay. Man. Okay. Now <laughs> I want to go over all of the stuff. Why this doesn't make any sense. Okay. Um. So first of all. Moloch. That was given to him by the American government. Yes. So. So it has been called Project Moloch by the Americans all along, I guess. Yeah. Why did, why was that the gift he gave them? Why, what, I mean. Is the bombs ready? No, not why did he give him a gift. Why did he give him a statue of the pagan god Moloch? Why did the American military general give him a statue of the pagan god Moloch. I guess you would be like, because it was called Project Moloch, and it was a fun little joke. Do you think that Clifford gave General Taylor the statue <laughs> to give it- to him? He was like, look, I want to I wanna do a thing for my kids. Can you give me the statue? I mean, that makes, <laughs> they'll find it funny. Uh, <laughs> that makes more sense than anything else. Um, the photo they took of Jughead with a bomb. Um, so... The Americans know he's making bombs. Yep. The evidence is not that he's making bombs. The evidence needs to be that he's doing it for the Russians. And was there something on the photo that we missed? No, was it's there just like him... a brand that was like property of Russia. No, it was just him with it was just him with a bomb. That, that that place was guarded by an American soldier. Like the 
so them getting the photos doesn't matter. I guess it was just Cheryl telling them what they knew, which means they didn't need the, they already knew the bomb. Like none of that stuff mattered for what actually it was. Like I, I understand that all this stuff could happen off screen because Cheryl did overhear the Russians. Maybe okay, they but, had some other evidence, but the evidence they showed us. Well, I was going to say, Kevin, not for nothing. Cheryl doesn't speak Russian, so yeah. she doesn't know what they were saying. But they were speaking Russian. And Aaron, this is the Cold War. It is the Cold War. Um, okay. Another thing. Uh, if Clifford Blossom was actually a Russian, not a spy, a turned American. Yeah, yeah. What would you call Double that? agent. No, because a double agent would would imply that he was, like, from Russia trying to pretend. He was, he was turned, essentially. Sure. Maybe the term is double agent. Anyway, um, I don't feel like he should have welcomed the Red Scare. Like, I understand he pushed it off into other people. But I feel like he maybe wouldn't when when Evelyn came to him and was like, "Oh, I think Russians." I feel oh, like right. maybe he shouldn't have invited investigations into his city where he had an active Russian spy as his wife. Yeah. It's bold, hubris, hubris. I, it's bold. I almost would have wanted to see his angle on that because that he had to have been like, "No, the best way for them to trust us is for us to act like we are like this." And her Penelope's like, "It's too close. Okay, what if they find things?" And he's like, "No, they will never find anything." That almost sounds interesting, huh? I mean, yeah, and I actually do feel like inviting the investigators in and like handing people over to them because they did hand over that teacher. Mm-hmm. Does it because it's you're like directing their attention elsewhere? Yeah, but I feel like you might just want you're a small town, like you already have, but they're the most powerful small town in America, <laughs> Kevin. They are in control of the comics code, yeah. Um, which by the way, at one of point, comics. Jughead will be like, or Ethel will be like, oh, Jughead will always have pep, pep comics, and he's like, if it survives, and I'm like, you just like Werther's and the fields. Okay, no. Featherhead just lost their most important supporter. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, yeah, maybe that'll uh, help with that. Um, were they involved? Because remember, there was a whole thing where they were talking to Clifford and him being like, "Oh, we can't let people know." Blah 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 blah. Which feel like they're in a conspiracy, but we don't hear if those two were arrested. No, the only what, one that we know what a, are arrested are the Blossoms. Yeah. And what about Sheriff Keller? Like, I, I'm willing to believe that Sheriff Keller was just a was just a sheriff who was told to do things but didn't know the reason why. And like you could and I think that would that's fair Cheryl enough. Cheryl says that pretty explicitly yeah. in the episode. But what about what about not Fieldstone. Um what about Featherhead, Featherhead and and Werther's? They felt like they were very involved, didn't they? Yeah, it, And what did the what did activating the comics code have to do with um, with his whole Russian building a bomb plan. He seemed very invested in we have to have this comics code. He was very invested in the comics code. What did that have to do with it? Again, is he just distracting people? What? This is like, but oh that, my but, God, who who was, it was uh, when we watched Starcrossed and the big villain on that just kept like falling into things. But this feels like him, this feels like he was putting more and more attention on himself because especially because in this wrap up, when he's describing why people died, he started with Rayberry. Rayberry got just enough, apparently, of information while he was working there that he wanted to warn people mm-hmm. with a story mm-hmm. that no one understood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then apparently when he was agitating at Riverona High yeah. and invoking the Supreme Court and like it spooked the powers that be in Russia, I guess. I thought the powers that be were Clifford. Yeah, he's Russia. Okay. So it spooked Clifford because he thought he might invoke the Supreme Court 
But once again, Clifford invited the people in to go look at the communists. And then there was also those Milkman murder comics. Remember the comics of the Milkman murder? Yeah, that Jughead drew. No, he read in Pep Comics. They already existed oh, in Pep right. Comics. Oh, right, the dead guy wrote it. Yeah. But wasn't Clifford just copying it? I guess. I guess. Because that ended up just being like a dead end. Well, I mean, the de- it was a dead end in the sense that, like, yeah, they didn't know where to go from there. But definitely Clifford had the guys dressed as milk, uh, the guy dressed as a milkman. Just weird room full of milkmans. Mr. Muggs was killed because he knew about the Palladium, which makes a lot more sense. Like, yeah, yeah. he found the Palladium. He tried to make money off of it. Uh, that ended up just tipping off. They're like, oh, yeah. we got to kill this guy. Um, and then the other the- death was the Milton man who, who got it. Rayberry is the one who really, to me, like, if even if he knew all, th- knew all of this stuff, it's kind of weird. I mean, I guess he doesn't, he, do- he probably is not super American. Maybe he didn't really care if, Russia got a bomb. I mean, I think he would care, but okay. maybe he just didn't have any evidence that it was, like, happening for real. So instead he wrote and a... he had other things going on. So he wrote a story hoping that somebody would investigate? Or, you know what, maybe he just was inspired, like, maybe he just knew about the Palladium and didn't know about the bomb, <laughs> and true. wrote a story, and then when he started getting all agitating, Clifford, like, went through his back catalog and was like... Oh, my God. I do like how Jughead is giving him a lot. He's like, oh, Ray Bear, he knew, and he did what he could with the writing that he had, and <laughs> that's, like, not what happened. <laughs> oh, man, boy, is his wife going to get a weird call from a kid. <laughs> it sure is. So, um, but that's, I guess, oh, my God, I guess that's wrapped up now. Yeah, here's the thing. I hate to tell you this. They're not going to give us more. I know. That's why it sucks. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying we have to have more. I'm saying this is what they gave us, and it's terrible. So we do have to check in uh, with the the end of things, at least for Ethel. So Ethel, 18-year-old, yeah. has decided that now that she knows why her parents were murdered, it's time for her to hope for a better tomorrow. Yeah, well, she was doing that before, so. <laughs> yep. Yep. So she's packing she up. She has a nasty habit of having people make decisions and then just further reinforce those decisions <laughs> and not have anyone change. No, no one changes or grows no. on the show. So she's going to leave with Ben, also 18-year-old. I guess. I guess. I feel like we kind of thought he was older. Uh, he's in this show so little. Yeah. Anyway, so she's dropping out of school, like, maybe six months early, to go to Hollywood. Where Veronica got her a job as a storyboard artist. Okay, now I really hope that Veronica's not just a liar. Cause, I because this girl dropped out of school and is moving across the country. Oh, based on the Veronica's like, I got you a place to live, and I got you... Storyboard artist. I think it has been proven to us that Veronica is not a liar. I know, I know. We also now have good Alice Cooper, who's like, "You'll do great. You'll do fine. I'm, I'm a good person now." I spoke about my trauma, and that fixes everything. Abuse is cool if you have a sad backstory. So uh, Ethel and Ben drive off, and as Jughead says, Ethel was the first to go. Others would follow. And then, like, I guess everyone's going to leave Riverdale at the end of the show is the idea. I guess And then so. as they leave town, uh, color comes back into the town, which almost made me think, I guess if you really wanted to commit, you could end the entire season in black and white. Then as oh. Ethel leaves town, she goes returns to color because... The future's starting to... She's triggered something. 
and the future starting to come, they've been bending oh, towards justice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was more thinking that she leaves the borders of Riverdale. Oh, oh so it's like Pleasantville. Yeah, I, yeah, because well, also because Tabitha Tate, I, did she make the entire world? I thought she. I, I was kind of hoping she just made a pocket dimension. Impossible to say. Impossible to say, but apparently. That they avoided one cataclysm, but can they avoid another cataclysm? Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, I told you the comet's coming. I mean, yeah, maybe. Who knows at this point? <laughs> they may have forgotten they said the, that. Because the generic. No, they did not. Say- so, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. First episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic realized there was only two episodes to go and it better end some storylines? <laughs> start some storylines. Start some storylines. <laughs> um, I mean, it's very challenging in this episode because it's mostly all logical inconsistencies. I mean, any episode where they try to explain why they did anything... <laughs> It's bound to be illogical. But I think the one that stood out to me the most was like the heavy-handed, ham-fistedness of uh, Ethel not having her birth certificate. And that's why Betty had to go to her house and get into that box. Yeah. I can't think of like a better reason for Betty to go break into a box and find this out. But it just like... (laughs) I mean, the one thing I'll give it is that they did do a, a full arc, but it's weird that it started with Betty... Like, I feel like they could have started with Ethel being like, I'm so excited to do my driving test. I have my car that I won from when, when and, and, and she does mention it at times, but it, I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's, 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 it's a tiny thing that it's starting with Betty being like, driving test. And then Ethel, it turns out Ethel, because not, not just the birth certificate, the idea of being able to drive her own car mm-hmm. is so central to what she is doing. She wants to leave. And the only way she gets to leave is if she gets her driver's license so she can drive her car out of town. But she yeah. needs but she needs her birth certificate. So also, maybe Ethel should have gone back to her house. Well, my biggest <laughs> problem is that it is logically in like it's not logical that she doesn't have it. She has been adopted. She's been sent into the foster care she system. She hasn't been adopted. Well, they talk so they do talk about adopting her before they formally adopt her. And they, she says no to the formal. Um, they really weirdly talk about it. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I, I don't think they were I just, there it. have been so many things where she would have needed to legally prove who she is, including probably dealing with her parents' bodies, <laughs> that it makes no sense that she doesn't have it. And there should have been another reason for Ethel to go back to her own house. And then she could have found this information and brought it to Betty. Yeah. Like, I, I still think it would have been good if Ethel went to her own house. Like, I understand she's not a main character. But, like, hey, there's nothing wrong with giving a supporting character a cool thing like this. And her, like, overcoming that. And like, then deciding to move on. And then deciding to move on. And, and there's and no reason why she can't bring the information to Betty. It's almost like they're like, no, 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 no. We gave her the beauty episode. She doesn't get this one as well. Yeah, it just, like, it's so, it was so jarring. Hmm. That it threw me off from all of it. It was just something like, well, she could not have her birth certificate (laughs) and didn't think through all of the reasons why she definitely would have had it. Sure. Anyway, did you find Stubby Moment? Yeah. um, uh, The Palladium Bomb story that was published in a comic was from August 1955. And it says uh, uh, Bray Radbury's in August 1955. His stories weren't being published under his own name. They were being stolen from him uh, and published... Uh, as if they someone else had written them. His name should not have been on that story. 
But didn't he start writing things? No. No, that's right after that. September was when the yeah. when the show started. Before that, Pep Comics was stealing from him. The the comic at the top says is from August 1955. Unless if they republished one with August 1955 on it with his name on all of them. And we know Mr. Fieldstone, that would cost money. He he's not going money. to repr- he's not going to reprint all the old stories with his name correctly done on them. The uh, their idea was to do and do it going forward. His name shouldn't have been on there. It didn't need to be on there. Jughead told us in his voiceover Ray Bradbury wrote it. We didn't need to see Ray Bradbury's Palladium Town or whatever it's called. Um, well, Kevin, we did because um, if his name's not on the story, then they have no way of knowing that he wrote the story and that's the reason why he's dead. You hear what I'm saying? No, Jughead, Jughead says it in the voiceover. No, not 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 us, they. Who, they? Clifford Blossom, they. <laughs> How does Clifford Blossom know that he wrote this story if the story wasn't published under his name? Because it makes... Because none of it makes sense. I know. I'm agreeing he, with you. He, he didn't kill him because of the story. There is no indication that Clifford Blossom understood that story was re- reference. He killed him because he was making too much noise at the Supreme Court is the is the canonical reason the show said it happened. I think the milkman knew Bradbury and just <laughs> killed him himself. Now we're giving the milkman more more uh, uh, autonomy? I, I mean, mean, I he, guess he's just a weirdo. Yeah, he was just wandering around wearing his milkman uniform, scaring teenagers who were making out in the house. That was a gift from Clifford, who had many of them. I would love <laughs> if Cheryl found, like, a receipt that said, like, oh, yeah, 11 milkman costumes. She, or a 12 milkman <laughs> costumes. And then she counted, and there were only 11. Because if the 12th one was there, then obviously it's fine. He's just a man who bought 12 milkman costumes. <laughs> I am. Wrap it up. Talk to us about it on the social media. It's Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA, at Instagram, at Twitter, and at gmail.com. And we're coming to the end of Riverdale, but not the end of us. So please give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. Yep, and you check out my books available at KevinWeirdBooks.com. Once again, I will be in Edmonton for the Edmonton Comic Expo, September 15th. So if you're in the area, come check out. And I'm over at aflimsyplan.com. If you're in the Calgary area and you are looking for some teen drama comedy, uh, click on the Full Circle Theater tab there on the Flimsy Plan website because we might have a production coming up. We do have a production we do. coming up. It's called Riverona. <laughs> yeah. It opens on August 23rd. Yeah, we don't have to be coy about it. It's <laughs> happening. August 23rd to August 26th. If you're in Calgary, come see us. Right, we'll see you next week. What is the bigger cataclysm? Who's going to leave Riverdale next? Why would Tabitha do this? For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast?